You're listening to an all-new episode of Off the Rails with Sloppy Yellow. Views and opinions expressed here reflect hardcore fan perspectives and sometimes might be factual. Be advised, this podcast may contain adult language. Well, Bill and Bradley, seems like every damn week we start off saying, holy shit, this is as exciting as I can ever remember NASCAR being. What another hell of a race week we've had at NASCAR. We went all the way, Billy. I I mean, the pressure on these teams in this playoff format, I swear to God I can feel it at home. I I mean, I really feel like I can feel it at home through the TV screen. But, you know, and Richmond has not been a fantastic, a fantastic race from a passing standpoint or tons of action standpoint. It hasn't been that way in in a few years, the servers get a little bit more worn, so it, it it's starting to get a little bit better. But, but Billy, there's so much at stake, there's absolutely so much at stake in, in these races that it's it's made a racetrack like Richmond, who isn't the, maybe necessarily the, the, the best, the, the, the brightest out there, but hell, it's made it super damn, super damn fun to watch from a strategy standpoint and all that kind of stuff, but... Once again, uh, the fact that we put this podcast out later in the week has proved to be very poignant. I can't spell it, Billy, but I I can almost say it. Poignant. There's a G in there somewhere. Um, I'm not sure where it goes, but uh, we've got some big news out of the Roush Fenway Fenway Racing Shop. And Rob Wolf, let's bring you right in. Why don't uh, are you able to share with us, kind of like how you found out the news this week and and that sort of thing, Bud? Sure. Um, if and for everybody out there, if you are only a casual fan or have been without any type of internet or phone service for the last couple days, uh, there was a big announcement at RFR. And we were told yesterday afternoon at lunchtime that uh, Ricky Stenhouse would only finish out the 2019 season and not be back in 2020, and that Chris Boucher would be the new driver of the 17 car at Roush Fenway for the 2020 season. Uh, They let us know in a meeting, a company-wide meeting, and I applaud our management and our company for the way they did it because so many times – Teams find out via the grapevine what's going on within their own walls. And and Roush Fenway called a meeting, told us what was going on, said, you know, use your discretion, please, and some common sense because we are making the announcement. We have not made it yet, but we wanted you to hear it from us first. And I applaud them for that because there's been many times where where guys, team guys, find out stuff via text message from buddies and say, hey, what the hell's going on over there? We just heard this. We just heard that. And it's like, yeah. wait, what? Yeah. You know, we don't know it. We're, it's our, it. we're in our own house, and we don't know this, but you do. So I applaud them for that. Uh, I think that's a really big statement. It's, a, it's big news. Um, and we'll see what happens moving forward. Rob, did, uh, I mean, they, they call it a company-wide meeting – on Wednesday, 30 minutes before they're going to make the announcement, did this, did, did you have any idea something like this was in the works? Did the 17 guys have any idea something was in the works, or was this pretty much hush hush right up until the moment? You know, I don't, I don't think anybody knew it was coming. I'm, well, I'm sure that you know there's a few key people yeah. that did, 
I'd say from the, you know, from the boots on the ground guys, I don't think they, they knew. Um, the guys on the 17, at least they seemed like they didn't know. Uh, and it, it, seemed, it was a shock to me to hear that news. I thought we were getting announced, you know, maybe perhaps there's a new partner coming on or something to that effect that they wanted to let us know about. Uh, you know, it was a real, it was a surprise to, I think, everybody in the room that that was the announcement. Um, but, you know, it, I, like I said, I applaud them for doing it the way they did. It's definitely not what we all expected to hear. As a matter of fact, I'm, I mean, I'm going to be perfectly honest. As soon as I heard that announcement over the, uh, over the PA, it was like, really, we're having a meeting at lunch? Or are you kidding you going to jab my lunchtime for a meeting? I'm hungry, man. Damn. It's like, come on, man. You know, I need an hour to, you know, I need that hour to get my head together here. And you all going to have a meeting at lunchtime? And digest my food. What the hell's going on here? And a quick nap. You know, there's nothing like those quick lunchtime naps. Hey, I got to, hey, you know, not to get off on a tangent, but on those lunchtime naps. Okay, here's a funny story. Um, I've been known here in the recent past to take a nap after lunch, yeah. and I'll crawl underneath one of the race. I'll crawl underneath one of our cars that's on jack stands and lay up underneath of it so nobody bothers me. However, I tend to snore a little bit, so there's, there might be some videos and recordings out there of me taking my uh, uh, nap time, you know, my lunchtime nap there that sounds like the engine is running on jack stand. Uh, so, yeah, that's a topic of humor over there. <laughs> but, but Billy, you, you hit, you hit the new, you hit the nail on the head with, you know, a lunchtime nap, man, that, that can totally turn your day around. That is a true story right there. Oh yeah. Yeah. There's nothing like it. Well, here's what we got. Here's what we've got going on here. Just last week, which was a, a weird, goofy schedule for for the three of us, uh, just kind of the way it, it all shook out. I ended, ended up talking with, with Bob Pockris. Uh, Billy had to jump off. Rob and I got on together. But I literally just asked Bob Pockris last week about Ricky Stenhouse Jr. Billy, you and I have been talking about it for at least two years, that he, that he just wrecks a ton of race cars. He's got a couple victories under his belt. Nobody could ever take that away from him. But, Billy, he, he, there's a reason why his nickname is Recky Stenhouse Jr. I mean, the kid may know how to drive a bunch of different things, but he also is uh, – he's led uh, NASCAR in crashes three of the last five years. Billy, that – I mean, those of us who follow this thing from the money standpoint, absolutely – not, not, Yeah, go I'm ahead. I'm starting to interrupt. Is that a stat or is that yes. an opinion? That's a stat. That's okay, an absolute stat. Oh, that's a stat. That's a stat, yeah. Oh, okay. Adam Stern of uh, the Sports Business Journal um, put that out, uh, tweeted that out uh, on Wednesday. That three of the last five years, and I think the other two years, he was second once, Billy, and I think sixth, the other, uh, the other one out of those five. So three ones, yeah. a second, and a sixth out of the last five years in wrecked race cars. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Top six for five straight years. Yeah, top six That's or five tough. straight. Yeah, let's put it this way. If that was how you get in the playoffs, Ricky Stenhouse Jr. would be a four-time champion. 
Um, and uh, unfortunately, what that does for you is that, that that just costs your team a lot of money. It costs your – I mean, Rob, if you're wrecking race cars constantly, I mean, the guys at the shop, they probably see it. They watch it on Sunday, and they're like, son of a bitch. And they're looking at all the work they got to do to get that thing, you know, fixed. And I guess at some point, and, and I'm guessing, I've never worked in a race shop before, I, but I'm guessing bringing back a bunch of wrecked race cars is harder than a race shop than bringing back a bunch of race cars that don't have to have a bunch of work. True or false? Oh, well, that's, I mean, that's absolutely true. Um, <laughs> you know, anytime you're, throwing race cars in the weeds and, you know, salvaging things and, and stuff like that, you know, that's bad, you know, that's bad for the bottom line for sure. And just talking with, you know, talking with guys and from my own experience, you know, a wrecked race car, like you bring a home, you bring home a total, you know, that's bad. But, you know, if you wrecked out with a DNF, that's very bad. But on the other, but on the other side of the coin, you right side a car or, you know, you back one in a little bit you know, during practice, and you fix it, that's a lot of work to get done at the racetrack, especially now with the parameters that we're under as far as that OSS goes and scanning the body and everything. You know, you've got to get that thing, you've got to fix that thing just like you build it at the shop. But you've got to do it at the track with less equipment, less time, less people, less, you know. There, there's, a lot, there's a lot of moving parts there. So, you, you know, you right-side a car or, you know, you scrape the tail – that's a lot of work for everybody. So let's, you know, that's, that's part of it too is, you know, you, you bend up a race car at the racetrack and you don't go to a backup, which is hard enough. You know, it's, it's, you know, it, it starts to wear on your guys. It really does. It really wears on your guys. Well, um, it just so happens. Are you in the subway? Dan, are you okay? That's better. I was gonna say, are you in the subway or? I finally got. I'm driving on the Florida Turnpike in the middle of uh, nowhere, literally nowhere, and um, <laughs> I, I dropped from 5G to 4G, and I think I'm on half G as we speak. Um, uh, maybe went up to a three-quarter G, but uh, Billy, uh, you and I were at uh, a Talladega uh, race four or five years ago together. Uh, I, I mean, we met each other there. We didn't go there together, but we. I was in, I was in, one of my friends was, a, 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 what do you call that thing, a, a brand ambassador for a meat company, and it just so happened that though, that meat company was sponsoring Ricky Stenhouse Jr. that week, and he didn't make the race. Remember, that's when they first did that, that yeah. clock, Billy, and Ricky Stenhouse Jr. didn't make the race, and so Sunday morning, we're supposed to have a meet and greet at the car with Ricky Stenhouse Jr., but, um, oops, the car wasn't in the race. He didn't make the field. So it was such a big deal that Jack Roush himself came with Ricky, um, with Ricky Stenhouse and, 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 but Jack Roush was there. And I mean, they flat out told us that Jack Roush would not have been there had, had it not been this devastating. And And I look back all the way, you know, back to there. Yes, Ricky Stenhouse Jr. knows how to drive. He's got two Xfinity championships for Pete's sake. He can he can drive uh, sprint cars, all these other kind of stuff, but when you don't have the kind of car control um, on a on a in, in 2019, where it's just absolutely expensive to race, and 
there ain't sponsorship dollars in there that like they used to be for I mean that, that it ain't it's just it's in nineteen ninety five for Pete's sakes. Um I mean that takes into a large account, but Billy You've been high on Chris Busher for a very long time. I think you picked him seven <laughs> times as your dark horse yeah. this year. I mean, I gotta, I gotta think that you're pretty excited to see what Chris Busher can do in the in the 17 car. Yeah, I have never ever pulled for a Ford. I'm an old school NASCAR racing fan. I mean, a Chevrolet. Yeah, I've, I've always pulled for a Chevrolet. But I'm really thinking I could get behind this Chris Busher deal with moving into Jack Roush. I mean, we already saw what Ron Newman has done coming over to the 16 this year. He has turned that program completely around compared to the last few years. So Chris Busher's already doing things in not so – I mean, he's not in bad equipment, but he's still in pretty good equipment. Look, he's going to Roush. I think Ralph Finlay can put two cars in the chase next year. Well, here's the deal right here. I like the way you think right there, Billy. <laughs> <laughs> we all know Matt Kenseth came over there to see if, if Trevor Bain was worth keeping up, keeping around. I mean, I, Trevor Bain was hot in, in NASCAR for a while, won a Daytona 500. He won a crown jewel, and, and, and hey, he earned that thing, buddy, because he, he drove a hell of a race, was fast all week, and um, and that's something that's, he didn't fluke win that Daytona 500. He won that Daytona 500. But, I mean, Matt Jensen comes over and shows that, hey, you know what? That six team is, there, there could be some other things here with that six team. They can bring in Ryan Newman. Ryan Newman takes the 22nd fastest car. Um, and that is another stat, Rob. It's a 22nd, average 22nd fastest car in, in central speed in the year, but the team and Ryan Newman has put that thing in the playoffs. And I, that just goes to show how much the driver being in tune with the team really means. And, and when I say that, Ricky Stenhouse Jr., everybody knows Ricky Stenhouse Jr. is a wheelman, but everybody also knows that Ricky Stenhouse Jr. is very cavalier with his equipment. And if there's one thing that will get you fired in NASCAR, it's uh, it's wrecking a shit ton of, of equipment. Not really know the exact reason why he's gone and all that. I don't even want to speculate about it. It's not fair to to, to Roush. It's not fair to Ricky. It's not fair to his sponsors or anybody like that. All, all we know is, is that his contract is not going to be uh, uh, renewed at the end of the year. Chris Bush is coming in. And, I, and, and, and for the first time in a long time, Billy, um, Ralph Fenway Racing, the entire stable, has kind of got an uptick on it because Chris Busher, uh, Chris Busher seemed um, over the damn moon about this opportunity. I mean, he was there, and and it's a weird. I don't know how these contracts work, Billy. There's no other. I mean, I deal with contracts literally every day of my life. Okay, I interpret them, I read them, all this stuff. But I've never been in a contract where the team lets you go, but they have an option, have an option to pick you up for three years. And I guess, I guess, whatever happened, Busher was delighted that I mean, KTG, um, Chris Bush's race team had no idea that that this was a possibility. Globes and, and I, the shop guys really didn't have any inkling that this was going to happen. I think whatever happened. They decided they were going to pull the plug. They were going to make this work. And, Billy, I fucking love decisions like this. 
I love decisions like this. I know you do, too, because this tells an organization, hey, we're not fucking around. We're not here to play tiddlywinks. We're here to win races, damn it, and we're going to do that. Yeah, I love the moves. I mean, it's a as a fan, it's a big-time move. Jack Rask has style this year, what, what his cars. You know, for the past few years, Rouse Racing has kind of faded away all the way back, and this year, the sixth team has brought that program back. It's kind of like a new spark for Jack Rouse. You know, I'm excited. You know, next year, I'm still kind of iffy on next year's season with the change coming up and the year after next is how much teams are. Are they going to go all in on the 2020 season? Are they going to go in 2020 as, you know, let's play for the 2021 season? It's going to be interesting for sure, Billy. But you remember when Carl Edwards um, won at Charlotte and went into the, in, uh, the, the the grass there and hit a drain inlet and tore the front end off of that car? Do you remember that, bud? Yeah. Oh. His, his victory lane speech, he was more nervous about seeing Jack Roush about a wrecked race car than he was excited that he wanted to damn race. I mean, first thing he's like, I'm going to have to go in the shop tomorrow and help fix this car. Jack's really going to be pissed. And he wasn't joking. I swear to God, I think he was oh. serious. Yeah. Um, Rob Lopes, you were a member yeah. of Hendrick Motorsports when Jimmy Johnson uh, late in the season was, was um, you know, looking to get a, a, another title. And the 48 team had a bad pit stop. They've had several bad pit stops um, over a course of a couple weeks. And Chad Canal said, pick up your shit and move to the 24 box. And the 24 guys picked up their shit and moved to the 48 box. I mean, you were there when that happened, yes? Yes, yes. As I, a, as I do believe, was that in Texas or something? It was in Texas. Yes, it was. Um, as an organization, when you see that that Hey, we're here to win a race. I mean, Jeff Gordon could not win the title that year. He was already he was already out of it and that sort of thing. Yeah, he Those, was out. Yeah, he was out. So, and the, and the 24 pit team had, had worked flawlessly um, for the last couple uh, races. They switched them during the race. I, I, you would have thought that um, the sky was falling the way a bunch of people who probably have never played a sport in their life react to Jack and House telling his team to go to 24 and the 24 come up there. But uh, Rob, as a competitor, as a guy who works in the pits every weekend, I mean, what does that tell you about an organization? Like, I mean, Hendrick Motorsports made a tough call. Roush Fenway Racing made a tough call. But is it really a tough call, or is it what you've got to do to win races? Well, let's to give it some perspective, let's look at other sports. When you got a starter, a starting pitcher in, and he's throwing decent balls, but you know the, they're finding holes, or you know a couple yeah. hitters have gotten a hold of them and they've you know launched them out of the park or what have you, or or an NFL team that the quarterback you know a half a click off or a click off is a normal thing and they bring the backup in, or even in hockey, you know sometimes your your starting goalie who's usually phenomenal is having a bad night. You know, you make a change, and you make a change for the better of the team. And when and in racing, uh, it's the same thing. You you are dealing with, uh, it's probably a bigger deal because you're not changing just one guy. You're changing five guys or six guys. 
and that's why it looks so big. But it's the same thing. You're there. You're there to win. And you know, when you get in the playoffs, you do what it takes, and you gotta you gotta perform, race to race, and especially now in this playoff format where you run three races and then there's a cutoff and then three more races and a cutoff, you gotta make it happen. You don't have time to. You know, you don't have a 10-race stretch where you can just, you know, okay, we'll work it out. This is just one bad race. No, you got to make it happen right now. So, you know, you go all in. Well, and we saw the New York Giants. The New York football Giants did that last week. They drafted a guy that nobody knew from Duke University. Um, everybody wanted Eli until Eli couldn't throw a 20-yard out. And um, uh, or, or or actually could throw a twenty yard out, but just couldn't get it done. They make a change; it breathes a little bit of life into everybody. Now we've just been one week. We'll see what happens. But when you got an organization like Roush Fenway Racing, who's been in the sport, I mean, I mean, my goodness, RFR is a, I mean, they're they're an icon well, of the sport. For, yeah, they are a cornerstone of of NASCAR for thirty years. Um, you know, to me, this sends the message that, hey, um, you know, we're not happy with coming in 20th place. Uh, we're not happy that we've got one car in, in, in I mean, that, that's good, but we, we've got two cars here. We're, we're good enough, and we believe that we need to have two cars in the playoffs, and I love it. I fucking love somebody. These aren't hard decisions to me. These, I spend more time, Billy Bradley. What's that? Very hard decisions. Damn, what? What didn't Roush Fenway uh, run a station at one time? Didn't they have five cars? What they the reason yeah. we had to go to this what four car yeah. team? Roush Fenway Racing is the reason correct. why we have a four car limit because they had five yeah. cars and they could have put on a six car, from what I remember, Billy Bradley and um, NASCAR said, "Whoa, whoa, whoa, hang on a minute." We don't necessarily mind, but everybody in the garage is pissed. <laughs> and a lot of it had to do with, you know, and, and I don't know if anybody remembers this, a lot of it had to do with testing because you could send different cars to test, and each and each team had so many tests. Well, the more teams you had means the more tests you had. And that's how it came down to, okay, hold on a minute. These guys have five more tests, you know, five more tests than the rest of the than the rest yeah. of the or, of the rest of the sport, so they can send a car to every test, where some of these teams can't. Yeah. So yes, that's exactly how that rule came about. And just, just to throw it out there, to look at a to look at an organization that went from five cup cars and what three trucks and three or four, you know, they had twelve teams at the at their yeah. the peak. Yeah. Ralph Fenway, Ralph Racing had twelve teams. Across the three uh, across the three national series, twelve teams. So there's been a lot happening over there, and there there's been a lot of trying to find your footing again. And you know, even Rome fell. So you know this this is what's happening, and and it's time to it's it's time to okay, we're back to the basics. We got to get better. And you know, there's there's a business model that says get better before you get bigger. Yeah. Well, they got big, and then the bottom fell out. Yeah. So now it's time to get better again, and that's what we're doing over there at Ralph Fenway. We are getting better, and we plan on getting better because we're hungry for more. Well, it's that's decisions what like and that's this. What's going on. It's decisions like this that just that tell me that 
I mean, the people over there didn't forget what the hell they were doing. I mean, I, I literally uh, have said this uh, hundreds of times, and I mean it. I will spend more time figuring out what I want to eat for fucking lunch than if I'm going to uh, then if I'm going to turn in a price to do a job for a million dollars. That's easy. Or I mean, that's easy. Yeah. It's, it's a no-brainer. I, I'm I'm not going to worry. Yes, I, I'll make a million-dollar decision with with a snap of a fingers because that's just smart. And and if Ricky Stenhouse Jr. parting ways with him makes the organization better, or 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 at least points it in a direction that has more uh, potential, you make that decision. And you don't worry about it. I mean, you you do the best you can for Ricky and his team, but ultimately you've got. You know, hundred employees or more over there that you have, and sponsorships and all this stuff that you have to do the right decisions for. Andrick Motorsports had a driver swap years ago. Um, the twenty-four went to the um, uh, to the Dale Junior shop, and Dale Junior went to the twenty-four shop, and they had a driver swap. They're like, "Hey, we gotta we gotta change right. some things over here. We gotta do this. It's the better of the organization. That's what we're gonna do." And, and I applaud people who make those decisions because they're really they sound difficult the more you think about it but if you just take a kindergarten approach to it does it make us better with or without ricky stenhouse jr well honest to god i think it makes us better okay well then we got to figure out how to fix this because why would we waste our time um doing a bunch of shit that we know that there may be a better option and and listen i have been critical of Ricky stenhouse jr many times i mean i've Ricky Stenhouse Jr. Um, hundreds of times and all this, but the fact of the matter is, I, I'm, I mean, it is what it is. Ricky Stenhouse Jr. didn't forget how to drive. This will probably make Ricky Stenhouse Jr. a better driver, Billy Bradley. Ricky Stenhouse Jr. has now been fired because he, in my opinion, because he wrecks too damn much and causes too, costs people too much money. Uh, Ricky Stenhouse Jr. can drive a race car. I, this may have it is like, hey, I need an opportunity. I've learned. I know what I have done, and I don't want to do that shit again. I love to race. He doesn't want to not yeah. race, Billy. You know what I mean? I, I think you're right. I think this will bring this percent half. I think he I, – I don't know this. I just think as a fan, he got comfortable in the position he was at. He'd been at Roush, been at Roush. You know, he'd seen new drivers come and go through the six program. Now yeah. he's out. He's, he'll, he'll still be racing somewhere, and I, and I think he'll come back with a different type of mindset. Billy, if he doesn't, he'll he'll end up like um, Reed Sorensen or something. A guy who, I mean, if he doesn't change his attitude, he's done in NASCAR. I mean, I, you can't cost people a bunch of money and, and, and still come out there and do the same shit. I mean, that, that's the reason why, I mean, if you don't learn to change and adapt, you die, and that's what Ricky Stenhouse Jr. is going to look. I mean, he, he, nobody's going to let him rest in that car. He goes out there and wrecks another eight race cars or some kid. I mean, and I, and I think Ricky Stenhouse Jr. is a good driver. I think he just, I think you're right. I think he got a little too comfortable. I think he thought, man, I got sponsorship. I'm good. In 2019, yeah. he got sponsorship. Bob Bonkers said last week, right here on this show, hey, Ricky Stenhouse Jr. has sponsorship. He's not going anywhere. <laughs> well, um, if Bob Bockers is fooled, anybody can be fooled. Am I right? You're exactly right. That's a solid point because that cat knows a lot what's going on. He knows more about NASCAR. I think he sometimes knows what NASCAR is going to do before NASCAR knows what the hell they're going to do. And, um, and just last week he, he, he said that. I was I was shocked. I, I started to doubt. 
Hell, Billy, I started, I was like, damn, okay, well, Bob Proctor said it is gold. And I, but I, but I love, long story short, I love the move by Ralph Fenway Racing, not because I hate Ricky Stenhouse Jr., because I think it's the best move for Ralph Fenway Racing, and I think it's the best move for Ricky Stenhouse Jr. I hope he lands in a ride. Um, I hope he lands in a ride. I, I, I gotta believe that he will ride somewhere, okay? But I hope he also learns from this because he can be an exciting as hell driver. Billy, we've seen him win uh, tons of Xfinity races and two championships. He knows what he's doing behind a race car when he's, when he's driving Definitely. with his head straight. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, I agree with you. So, Rob, um, how, I mean, <laughs> I mean, I, I got to believe that a bunch of grown adults uh, walking into the shop or going to their track this weekend when they see Ricky Stenhouse Jr. I mean, I guess it's going to be business as usual for um, the 6 and the 17 team, right? Well, I can't speak for the 17, but I will speak for the 6. We handle our business this week the way we do every other week, and I've, you know, it's a broken record since the playoffs started, you know, three weeks ago. That the six team is doing what they do. We are dotting our I's. We are crossing our T's. We are making sure our race cars are sound. We are we are going to do what it takes to make them competitive. Uh, we know Ryan is going to sit in a seat and he's going to drive his tail off the way he has all season for the six and for Roush. Um, and we're just going to go about our business and that it has been working for us. So that's what we're going to stay with. I mean. There's a lot of people that counted us out early. There's probably a lot of people like, what the hell's going on? As a matter of fact, I'll just give you a little tidbit. Going through tech Saturday night, you know, post-race, they capture the playoff cars along with, you know, top ten stage winners. You know, there's a lot of cars that have to go through some post-race, you know, inspections. You know, some more some more invasive than others. You know, the, obviously the winner, you know, second place, you know, they're going to get torn down. But everybody has to cross that OSS and go through heights and weights and all that sort of stuff. And the guys from the 19 who won the race, who went back-to-back, the first two races of the playoffs went, man, we saw you all coming. We were like, what in the hell is going on? The six is on our tail and catching us. So... You know, we're we're just going about doing our thing, and we're going to continue to do our thing, and it, we're going to do it the way we do it. Scott Graves is amazing at his calls. He's amazing sitting on top of that pit box on race day. Uh, the guys at the shop have been building great race cars. We're getting better and better each week, and that's all you can ask. Yeah. Improve. Here's just another improve. stat for you, uh, Rob. Another stat from David Smith. Um, he says that Scott Graves, uh, the difference between uh, this year and last year, Scott Graves and Ryan Newman have picked up 54 positions this year on um, pit strategy and pit sequence um, over last year. Now think about that. 54 net positions this year from last year on, on pit strategy. And, of course, I love David Smith and his um, his data, because if you if you take five minutes to understand how he comes apart, this you could you could <laughs> you come up with a lot of good stuff. But I, that, since Bristol, Bristol was a defining moment, just like Daytona was a defining moment for uh, the 16. We're not going to make this the uh, Brian Newman podcast, but it's very it, it's very no, important to me 
because I, I, I'm fascinated with teamwork. Um, and it doesn't matter what, what sport it is or business it is or whatever. It doesn't matter to me. But when, when you guys were catching flack for running your race and all this kind of shit at Bristol and, and the Cinderella didn't get her glass slipper, um, I, it, it was like, hey, this is business as usual. This is what we need to do. We're focused on this. We don't, we don't give a shit about the 95. We don't give a shit about anybody else. The six team needs to do this to move forward. You've done that. Hell, I was about ready to shit my pants when I saw Ryan Newman get into third place on that. He started really <laughs> Hey, he was yeah. hauling ass. And just yeah, it was coming. And, and, and Rob, you mentioned post-race inspection. Uh, poor old Eric Jones and that 20 team, they really, 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 really needed a good finish. And I thought they had one. And so today, uh, Joe Gibbs Racing comes in one, two, three, four. Rob, they got knocked out um, or disqualified, DQ'd, picked up one point for the race. They had stage points in both races. They lost those. But they got knocked out because of the rear toe. The rear toe was, was correct. didn't conform. And what the heck can make of the rear toe not yet? Because i got to be honest with you. The first thing I thought of is that when I'll never forget Billy Bradley texting me after a race one time and going, Hey, did you see all those cars on the cool-down lap shaking back and forth? I was like, no. And I thought, man, if the rear toe's out, maybe something goofy's going on. But what what are some things that can cause the rear toe to go out? Well, I mean, things are going to – when it comes to these race cars, things move around. You know, parts, you know, parts fatigue, et cetera. You know, and there's things you can do to make these cars more drivable and to turn better. Just, just with the way you put them together and the things that you do. You know, there's, there's things that all the teams are doing to maximize their settings, to make their cars fast, to make their cars turn better, to, to just race better. And every team is doing it. So the, the 20 knew they needed a good finish. Yeah. And they optimized their settings as best they could, and I'll, the only thing I could say is the parts they had in the race car probably fatigued a little bit more, mm-hmm. and that caused them to miss the post-race inspection criteria. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it can happen to anybody. You know, mm-hmm. it has happened to several teams, you know, along the way throughout, you know, history, whatever. It happened. Parts yeah. fatigue, springs fatigue, you know, bars give out, springs give out, uh, you know, parts break. Things happen because, you know, this, let's be honest, this is a difficult sport. It's difficult to win. It is difficult to race. And you are building your race cars to the best of your ability, and you're building them for speed. And, you know, think, sometimes things just give, give way, you know. You, you fatigue parts. And that's... Yeah. That that's probably what happened to the twenty. They you know they they maximized their settings and the parts fatigue, and it caused them to go out of legal or acceptable parameters. Tolerant, yeah. And that's all there is yeah, they, to it because they they were doing what they needed to do because it goes back to what we just talked about earlier. We need to succeed. We yeah. need to win. We need to run up front, and you do what it takes. 
And every team in that garage is doing exactly that, doing what it takes, especially the playoff card, doing yeah. what it takes. Well, this is all to say, um, Billy Bradley, that, that made, that's probably the death sentence um, that they were absolutely trying to avoid. Okay, <laughs> that, that, that is That's for the DQ with a with a fourth place finish and stage points, Billy. That and and listen, Eric Jones literally by the skin of his teeth signed an extension over there, a one year extension. If they're out in the first round, there's lots of speculation that this, I mean, 2020 might be the the last year for. I mean, obviously we've got. We've got a, a whole season left, but if if they don't get this thing fixed here, Billy, quickly and and do something here in these last eight playoff races and the beginning of next year, old Eric Jones, uh, he may be out of it. You can't afford to do this. There's too much at stake, Billy, to come in here and to have a mistake like this. And I, it just, it, I mean, this is worse than blowing an engine, in my opinion, Billy. I mean, I'm. Kyle Larson blew an engine a couple of years ago and, and got knocked out of the chase because of it, but this is this is a bad deal all the way around. Yeah, it puts them. In, I mean, they're in a must-win situation. I mean, I think they're fifty-some points out right now. Uh, they're a lot more than that. The last I saw, but Billy, you you hit it exactly right. You can't count them out. Yeah, they win this weekend, they advance. They're, it might yeah. be a hundred some points out, or fifty some points out, or whatever it is. But if they win, they advance. And so, this is why yeah. I love so this all sixteen format. teams. All sixteen teams are still very viable to move to the round of twelve. That's right. No matter how far you are out. Now, don't yeah. get me wrong. I mean, you know, there's odds stacked against certain drivers that you know, especially going into the Roval. It's a crazy race. It's a crazy setup. It's our second year doing it. You know, all kind, and that we learned last year. And I mean, and I say that we, as in not only the six, but as a series, how hard that track is in its configuration right now than be on equipment. So you got to take care of your stuff. And the fact that it's a cutoff race makes a huge difference. There's going to be some guys out there that are going to be conservative. There's going to be some guys that have to go full-on, hard as you can go, and the 20 is one of them, unfortunately. They are in a position that they have to go for the win. They have to go to, for the win to advance. And, Rob, so this, is this, this format, because guess what? Now the 20 is dangerous. Everybody's going to be watching that 20. You think those yep. spotters aren't going to know where the hell the 20 is at all times? You better believe it. Because he, because he is going to be, he's going to have those belts cinched tight. He's going to be up on the wheel because he has, because he wants to advance. That team wants to advance. And there's guys sitting outside the top 12 that know I got to have a good run today. There's guys at the bottom of the top 12, and I'm not going to exclude the six here. Now, yeah. don't get me wrong. I'd yeah. rather be plus 13 than minus 13. Yes. Don't get me wrong. But yeah, that but doesn't take going... the pressure off of us. We still have yeah. to have a solid day, and I'm speaking from the six car. I'm, I'm yeah. speaking from the six car. I'm speaking as a six car guy. Yeah. We have to have a solid day. And we're, we're not supposed to at all. Which we're going to talk That's about here in just a few minutes. Um, but let's, go ahead and take a, 
Let's take a quick uh, quick commercial break right here, fellas, and come back, and we'll talk about the Dale Jr. download and, uh, and talk about this crazy robo that's coming up right here. Thank you for listening, and we hope you participate with us. Please help us out by rating and reviewing us on iTunes or Google Play, and visit our website, sloppyyellow.com, where you'll find information on being a Patreon and helping our charity, weareyoumatter.com. All right, Billy Bradley, Dale Jr. Download this week. I've been very critical of of Rick Hendricks. Um, Been very critical of Rick Hendricks in the past, because, and the main reason. Billy, I got sideways with Rick Hendrick. Like Rick Hendrick, I, I act like Rick Hendrick knows that we're sideways with each other um, or some dumb shit. But I hated the fact that, as I've said earlier, I, I would put my ability to understand a corporation's culture, a, a workforce's culture, a team's culture, as good as anybody I've ever met. That I, I got a weird fucking thing I'm really good at, and that's it. And it was painfully obvious to me, as it was to millions of other people, that Dale Jr. and Lance McGrew wasn't a good match. Um, I'm not sure who Lance McGrew was a good match with, but I can tell you this. Race one out of the gate, you could tell that those two guys were like oil and water. Um, But they still kept going on. I mean, they kept it there. They kept it there halfway through that last season, Billy. Um, and, hell, Rob, you probably – you could probably remember the race, I would imagine, but there was a race where the car handled so bad that Dale Jr. just pulled in and had him raise the hood and see if there was something underneath, something was wrong or whatever. I was like, God, why are we – what are these two guys still – I mean, hell, I'd have been happy they had fired Dale Jr. just to quit so I didn't have to listen to those two guys – um, belly ache over and over. So, so that's where my beginning of that, that I really started to dislike Rick Hendrick. I've never liked Hendrick Motorsports before Dale Jr. got over there. But, Billy, I'm kind of with you, buddy. After listening to Rick Hendrick, oh, man, that guy, yeah, it's pretty hard to argue that that guy's not pretty good. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it, I, it, I, I, it, go ahead. It's very hard to argue that, you know, he's not a, a top-notch guy. I mean, just listening to the, the download, I was like, you know, when Dale Jr. first went to Hendrick Motorsports, I thought after gear that, that if it didn't have the HMS logo, I said I'll never buy a damn thing that's got Hendrick Motorsports on it, and I, I'll never own it. You know, three or four years into that, I think uh, – I, I was done buying Hendrick Motorsports gear. It was hard to find just 88 stuff at that time. But, and I was wrong. I think Mr. Hendrick is, is a top-notch guy. Hey, Rob, what are, you, are you getting something out of the ice machine? No, uh, I'm actually uh, smoking some ribs right now. <laughs> I'm, fo- I'm saucing and foiling right now. So I'm sorry if uh, the background noise is a little much for you. My folks are coming into town, and I want to have something. I want to have a little treat for them. So, well, uh, you're doing a hell of a job because it's. I mean, I can tell you this: I want to eat. But Billy, this guy used to race in his cars. Um, he raced boats. Uh, he, he did a lot of. You know, he, he doesn't like ovals now. He was. He was very. You know, very certain that he he didn't like ovals. But um, uh, I, I didn't know that part about him. I mean, I heard. You know, little tidbits here and there that are you accused to race, but I never, never really listened to it. You know, and and that 
in that manner before, but um, it was very interesting to hear his background and that sort of thing. And um, but the, the one thing, Billy Bradley, that that really struck a chord with me was how Dale Jr. and Steve Letarte both looked at their opportunity together as their last. And yep. and listen, I, I knew. I mean, the situation with Lance McGrew and Dale Jr. was not good, and and he had struggled for sure. I mean, that's 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 not only fair to say, it's accurate. But knowing that Dale Jr. thought that at the time, because listen, at the time people were calling me an asshole every day um, because I was like Dale Jr. and Lance McGrew suck together. That they're no good together. It's just, I was catching all kind of shit because I was telling them, I mean, hell, they're finishing 22nd. I mean, how good can you be in Hendrick Motorsports equipment if you're finishing 22nd every damn week while your other three teammates are finishing in the top 10? I mean, it's, it doesn't take a, it doesn't take an MIT uh, mathematician or physicist to figure out that if one out of four teams are running 22nd, and the other three are running top 10, top 12, winning championship and races, and it's not a good pairing. But to hear Dale Jr. say that he was a little nervous, and Steve Letarte thought that he was getting fired when he was going in there to talk to Rick Hendrick, and Rick Hendrick said, uh, we, we, we're swapping drivers. Jeff's going over yeah. to the other shop, and, and you're getting Dale Jr. And to hear them say that, um, really, I, I thought that was very – that was very interesting for me to hear because they both thought that they were on the outs. And uh, I think, I mean, obviously Steve Letarte knew that Dale Jr. was going to be his last driver. I mean, I think he already knew that. I think personally he already knew that, that you know, this was his last go around. And it's just interesting to hear, hear that because I wasn't expecting that. Um, I wasn't expecting that at all, uh, Billy. And it was just a – just – Rick Hendrick seemed to, you know, when he talked about swapping drivers and all that, I mean, Rick Hendrick just kind of took it in. I mean, he acted like he was, I mean, I mean, Rick Hendrick is obviously part counselor, and I think Mike Davis even said that. And I, I, he knew the writing was on the wall. For whatever reason, he couldn't pull the trigger and all that kind of stuff. But it, it always, it seems to me that Rick Hendrick has about a good, finger on the pulse of his organization as 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 any owner out there. And and I had I had questioned that many times before. And I'm not saying that he's the best at, at that he's got a lot of capable people that run his organization and that sort of thing, but 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 Rick Hendrick knows what the hell's going on, Billy. And I, I I've found a, a new respect for him. I mean I'll be, I don't know the man, I've never met him, but but just hearing him talk and and hearing the things he says, I have a new respect for. I have a new respect for him. I'm glad I got to listen to it. Yeah, I would agree. And you know, I, I think there was a turning point to me. I had heard a story about Elliot Sadler's mom had been gotten sick. I think it was breast cancer, and I may be wrong, but we'll go with being sick. And I think he had called Rick Hendrick from the story. I think was, and Rick Hendrick said, "Where is she?" I'll have I'll have a, my airplane pick her up, and we'll get her to a doctor here in North Carolina. I was like, "Holy shit, man! That I mean that takes a special kind of person to 
to do something like that. And I think Mr. Hendrick is is that type of person that, you know, 10, 15 years ago, I didn't want shit to do with Hendrick Motorsports. But now I'm kind of excited. <laughs> hey, Billy. Billy. Mr. Um, and you're a, but, Billy, you're a self-proclaimed Chevy guy, right? Yep. Yes. Okay. I just wanted to make sure that I had that clear. Well, well I see, this is the difference. Motorsports. Yeah. Empire. They still are. What the fuck are you talking about? I didn't like anybody at Hendrick Motorsports except for Dale Jr., and I don't like Hendrick Motorsports now. Um, I just, I'm not a fan of Hendrick Motorsports. I never was. I was a Dale Jarrett fan. Uh, I was a Harry Gant fan, Dale Jarrett fan. Then I kind of stumbled around. Junior came along. I liked Junior, and I, I, then I became I, – I, I wouldn't drive a Chevy if you paid me. Um, and the last Ford I drove is the last Ford I will ever drive. Uh, but that, but that, but I still like racing. I don't give a shit about that. But but what I did find extremely interesting about this whole thing is how Rick said this, Billy, and it just hit me right in the face. He said, "I'm not in the car business or anything else. I'm in the people business, and I'm in relationships." Yeah. And, and when I heard him say that, statement. that changed my entire outlook. My entire outlook of of him, Billy. I just. I just, I was like, the way he said that just made all kind of sense. Okay. Uh, by the way, I'm going through the Florida, um, I'm going through the Florida uh, turnpike, and I got to pay my toll. Thank you, ma'am. Susan's collecting my toll. It's twenty-eight dollars, but. Uh, Bill, you, for, that you, you, Dodge, you, for that giant Dodge diesel you'll drive, and then dragging that daggum double axle. With a freaking skid steer on it. I mean, what are you gonna do? Well, I'm I'm getting charged twenty eight bucks for to do this thing. Thank you, Susan. Have a good day. All right. Um, uh, but Billy, you were telling me off the air about a story that I haven't heard the whole thing yet. And you said you had a story there that uh, um, that you wanted to talk about. I haven't heard I haven't heard the whole thing yet. So what you got? Yeah, we were talking about the Dale Jr. download, and I said, Dan, did you hear the fact that Dale Jr. had called Mr. Hendrick? I want to say 2008, 2009, the economy wasn't going so well, and I I think Mr. Hendrick was going to have to lay off some of his employees, and Dale Jr. had called him and said, take one million, yes, I did say a million, out of his contract, keep it keep all the guys. I don't want anybody laid off from the racing shop. Are you shitting me? A million dollars. Mr. Hendrick said as long as he's been in racing he has not. And I think they said he had like 50-some drivers. Matt Dillner and him tried to keep count of it. But out of 50-some drivers he's had, he's never had one to want to give back their own money out of their contract to help Keep employees. A million dollars, man. That's pretty solid. <laughs> I mean, I mean, we, we're all fans of Dale Jr. Not necessarily because of what he does on the track, but because of the the dude he always seems to be. It's good to hear that um, that 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 what he seems to be is also what he he is. That's it's true. That, that's that's pretty cool, man. I. I that's a million dollars out of his pocket so nobody would lose their job and all that. Because, I mean, back then, I mean, 
Hell, I remember at the end of the year was almost like a death sentence to, I mean, bunch of, I mean, hundreds of NASCAR guys were getting let go right before the holidays, you know, 2007, 2008, 2009. It was pretty bleak. Can I interject here on that? Yeah. I just want to share a little, uh, share a little something that maybe not you or anybody else knows about that. In 2008, and I say when the sport shrank, because the money came out of everywhere. The economy tanked. The sport, uh, the money came out of the sport, and teams were laying off guys, not by the tens, but we're talking double digits, you know, 30, 40, 50 people. These big organizations were laying off hundreds of people to the point where the unemployment office, the unemployment commission of North Carolina opened a separate office in Mooresville, North Carolina, just for racing people that had lost their jobs. Because there was so much unemployment taking place just, I mean, nationwide. And the racing sport, you know, the sport of racing got hit so hard. And there were so many guys coming out of shops, off road crews, whatever. So many racing people that were losing their jobs in this area that they opened a special office just to handle the racing people that were losing their jobs. That's how big that was at that time. That's how big it was. That's 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 for those people who listen to this podcast and weren't, you know, fans back then. That's that that seems. I mean, ten years later, um, or or more here, we we've shrunk the amount of people that that we take to races. I mean, NASCAR's made a, a mandate on all this stuff, but just think about. I mean, in 2008, there was a ton more people. Uh, on the race shop because I mean they were allowed to be number one and they could afford them and 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 to imagine so many hundreds of people that had opened up a, a shop that's that's wildly impressive and the fact that Dale Jr. would 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 do that is just a, a an amazing thing and um, you know the other funny story out of that Billy Bradley is uh, I, I catch a lot of hell for saying that um, you know I'm not I'm not super impressed with. Uh, you know, Richard Petty's 200 wins. I mean, I, I'm not a dick about it. He's got 200 wins. That's that's an amazing accomplishment. It's not going to be broken uh, in my lifetime for sure. But when he was – I've always given him hell for – I mean, he got the biggest cheater with the best cheating crew chief at the time running four races a week or whatever. But he mentioned that he was sitting in the – he was sitting post-race with Harry Hyde and – uh, they were inspecting Richard Petty's car, and uh, Harry said, "What's the matter, Richard?" And he said, "Man, they're having some trouble getting my 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 engine to get uh, to get past. It says it's too big." And, he, and Harry said, "Well, once it cools down, it'll be all right." He said, "They can take that thing to Alaska, and they ain't gonna pass tech." And I thought that was funny as hell. Uh, I lost you guys for just a second. Um, yeah. But I, this, this is all to say, um, great download. I can't wait to listen to the rest of it. But um, interesting stories there, interesting stories uh, for sure. And the fact that Dale Jr. wanted to a, a, uh, uh, let Kelly handle the money part. And, and he was very candid. He said, look, I'd already made a ton of money. I, I just, money's not what motivates me anyways. And, um, yeah. and he wanted painted side skirts. And he, he didn't want to drive to Martinsville. He wanted to uh, 
He wanted to pick his paint schemes, and he had to have the matching side skirts, and he wanted a helicopter ride to Martinsville and maybe Darlington. That was all he wanted. He didn't want to look at the contract. He wanted those things. That's pretty funny. And I honestly didn't – I had no idea that that his dad had drove for Rick and, and they had that kind of history with each other and that kind of stuff. And I can't wait to hear the King Schrader uh, episode. That's going to be epic yeah, as well. Yeah, that's one. That's going oh, man, to be you better one. believe it. Yeah. Schrader's, I, got I, more sto- Schrader's got more stories than Dr. Seuss, let me tell you. Yeah, see, I can't wait. I, I, I can't. I mean, he just every time I see Kenny Schrader, I don't even know Kenny Schrader. Every time I see him, I just laugh. I, I just, I mean, I, I don't know. He just, he puts me together. You know what? I need to talk about uh, Billy. I haven't talked about this on the podcast. I can't believe it. I went to the theaters and saw in the blink of an eye. Have you seen it, Billy? I haven't. I haven't found it around here yet. I've been looking. Well, Billy, it was in the theaters one day, one day only. It's probably going to come out on DVD or Amazon or Prime yeah. or something. But let me tell you this right here, fellas. I was absolutely riveted from the time that movie started until the end of the credits because they had a lot of stuff at the end of the credits. It, it is such a good movie, or actually a documentary, that I am making my wife, my two kids, my daughter-in-law, watch it when it comes out because I want to teach the life lessons that are in this documentary to the kids that my nonprofit works with. That's how important of a documentary. I'm a, this isn't a movie. This is a film. That's how important this film is. It was un, and I'm not a big fan of Michael Waltrip. I mean, I could take him or leave him. I'm not, you know, it's, it is what it is, but to see his story through his eyes and to have all that footage. They had footage, Billy, of of Michael Waltrip's first cup race. And Dale Earnhardt pulled up beside him, and, and Michael thought he was going to wreck him, and, and, and he was struggling. And he said, I looked over, and I saw Dale Earnhardt point to me right out the windshield, like, go forward. You're, just, you're here to drive, drive. And they, had a, they have it on video, Billy, where you can see him pointing out the window to Michael Waltrip. I mean, the, the, the footage that they have in that thing is amazing. The life lessons it teaches are fantastic. I think it should be every NASCAR fan should absolutely, positively, if they haven't seen this movie when it is available, um, at, you know, at, at multiple outlets, it's going to be it's absolutely asinine because it is a fantastic movie. I laughed till my sides hurt. I had tears running down my face. I had goosebumps. And, and, Billy, we all know what happens at the end of this film. I mean, it's not a secret. You know, we know what happened in 2001. And I was dreading it. Like, I mean, I, I didn't even want to see it. I was so wrapped up into this documentary that I, I is, it, was, it was worse. And I don't mean that in a bad way, but it was the, the, the emotions were that much greater than it was on the day that it actually happened because you see this buildup in this story from Michael Walter's perspective and, and how you never give up, how you just got to keep going. And, and I, I want to tell you something, I was damn impressed with that documentary, and I am absolutely going to take the lessons from here, and we're going to teach it to the kids because it's that, it's that damn important. I hope you both get to see it. Um, I hope it comes out soon so you and everybody else can see it because it was, it was wildly phenomenal. I can't I – can't, talking of good things about and listen i like i said i'm not the biggest uh, michael walter fan on the planet but this story right here you literally cannot write a story like this it has to happen um but enough about that 
boys, we got Roble coming up. Um, and, and I know Rob is like his business as usual, but to cut off race, 13 points ahead, Rob Lopes. Um, yes. It's only been run one other time in history. It was last year. Chaos throughout the entire weekend. But I guess your attitude is the same. You're going to go do what you guys do, run your race, and uh, and hopefully snag another top ten or better. That's exactly right. From a six-car standpoint, that's exactly what we're going to do. Uh, we're going to run our race. We're going to take care of business the way we know how to do it and to the best of our abilities. Um, it's nice. To have a cushion, I would much rather be, I guess it's, what, 13 in than 13 out? Um, we're going to take care of our equipment. We're going to give them a good car, and we're going to let Ryan handle the business on the racetrack. We're going to handle it on pit road, and, and we're just going to make, you know, the best choices we know how to make, and we're going to do what we do. Uh, we, we want to advance. Just like the rest of, you know, everybody in that, you know, obviously there's guys at the top like Martin Truex. I don't think he's really sweating it, although he came really close to winning that race last, you know, last year, you know, the debut event of that, along with Jimmy. There, there's some guys that will excel there. There's some guys that are going to struggle there. Uh, we hope we're not one of them, but it, it's going to be a crazy weekend. They made some improvements to the racetrack, uh, which, you know, that's just the way it is. You know, when, whenever you try something new, there's always going to be something you can improve on. So we think, uh, you know, from what we've seen, that that track's going to be better than it was last year. It's going to race better. Uh, the competition's going to be extremely strong, top to bottom. So, you know, it, it, and it's a cutoff race. So, you know, guys got to do what they got to do because nobody's out of it yet. Like we talked about, like we talked about before, Eric yeah. Jones needs to win. So, you know, he knows where his mindset is, you know, there's guys that are sitting outside the top 12. They know what they need to do. There's guys, you know, uh, at the bottom of the top 12, you know, 8 through 12, that they know what they need to do. And, you know, a guy like Martin Truex, he's there to win. He would love to – you can't tell me that that group over there at Joe Gibbs Racing would not love to sweep the first round. Well, and the fact of the matter is, if, if they win – that keeps somebody like Eric Jones from getting a win and jumping in there. I mean, they, they absolutely That's are going to put the, the pedal to the metal. And, and and there's 16 playoff teams that want to win this thing, Billy Bradley, but there's uh, 40 teams that are going to be there that damn sure want to be in victory lane. It's a cutoff race. That the pre- this, this manufactured um, – the way that we have done these races in NASCAR, Billy, is – I mean, my God, there's – this is so much better than, than point system from a fan's perspective. And I mean, shit, how could you want anything more? Every team going in there, there's not one team going in there without a care in the world. Ricky Stenhouse Jr., you damn sure better believe he wants to not wreck a race car. If Ricky Stenhouse Jr. wrecks a race car at the Roval, everybody's going to say, well, that's Ricky. We knew he's going to wreck a race car. Ricky Stenhouse Jr. wants to go out. He's got a fire under him just as much as anybody else for, Christ's sakes, and I think it's fair to say that Ricky Stenhouse Jr. wasn't winning a race. Um, I mean, he hasn't shown the propensity to run up front, let's put it that way. So uh, this is, everybody wants a victory out there. It's going to be, uh, I mean, it's going to be a wildly outrageous, crazy weekend, and Billy, I hate to say this, bud, but 
I picked yeah, the yeah. stage one winner. I mean, I picked the race one winner, okay? I The only reason I did not take Martin Truex Jr. is because I thought Kyle Busch is going to come out and want to punch everybody in the face. And I was one – I went back and listened to the tape. I said, you know what, I think Martin Truex Jr. could sweep. My, my, my heart is telling me Martin Truex Jr., but my head is telling me Kyle Busch, and that's what I get for listening to my head, Billy. Yeah, I would agree with you. I thought for sure Kyle Busch or Denny Hamlin was going to win this race, but Martin Truex Jr. is, I mean, we just thought they were just sandbagging because we just talked a few weeks ago how much they've been off over these yep. last few races. But, yeah, I mean, they found, they've hit their stride. He, he is beside himself that he's not as fast as those guys. He thought he had something for them. And, I mean, he expected to go out there and win that damn race. And when he come in fourth, he, he, he was um, very upset that he was that far behind JGR. And I, was, I, was, I wasn't surprised. Listen, I, we all knew that I mean, he wasn't happy, of course. But for him to come out and say that, I mean, I liked you know, I'm a big fan of Roddy Childers, but when he come out and just admitted that, Billy, I like that. I think the four team, I mean, the four team's already locked in. So is Kyle Busch. So is Martin Truex Jr. Nobody else is really locked in, although we know Denny Hamlin's probably pretty safe and that sort of thing. But to hear Rodney Childers go, I don't know what they're doing, and it's killing me, was was, was pretty cool to hear because most of those guys, you know, hold that pretty tight to their chest. But I think that there's – I think that we're getting ready to see. Uh, and this is a roval, so I'm not sure. I don't want to. I don't want to say it's not a real race, okay? Because it certainly is. No, but it's very um, much a real race. It's very much a real race. But I don't know that necessarily. I think the driver. I think the driver's going to. I mean, Rob, is it fair to say the driver's going to play uh, um, a bigger part in this race than your regular oval? Is that fair to say, or is that unfair? No, I think that's very fair to say, and it's. You got to remember, it's a road course. The driver yeah. plays a huge role. Now, don't get yeah. me wrong; the car has to be there for him. Sure. So the teams have to do their jobs. Yeah. But you know, there's more chances for the driver to make a mistake out there than it is for the car, because you know you're going left, you're going right. There's high speed corners, there's low speed corners, there's a lot going on, and it, it's very much in the driver's hands. We're not looking at it like it's a speedway race where. You know, people say, well, it's a speedway race. It's all about the car. Well, there's still some driver input there, too. But, yes, the car plays a big role. And on a road course, I think the balance shifts a little bit. you got to have a good car, but you damn sure got to have a good driver that makes no mistakes or minimizes his mistakes, and he has to handle his business on the racetrack because there's a lot going on out there, well, especially um, at this place. Yeah, especially at this place on a cutoff race it's uh, in – Eric Jones is going to be driving like a bat out of hell, and so is the six team and everybody else. Billy Bradley, it takes us to the, it takes us right to the end here, buddy. You've got, uh, you've got first dibs. By the way, uh, you picked Denny Hamlin. He came in third. Uh, any other race of the year, third is winning our pool. I mean, JGR happens to go one, two, three, four before Eric Jones, uh, before Eric Jones got DQ'd. But who? Uh, we're going to the Roval. Last year, we all know uh, Jimmy Johnson and Martin Truex Jr. tangled each other there at the end, and Ryan Blaney snuck out the win. But who you got as your winner and who you got as your dark horse, buddy? 
Well, I'm glad you mentioned the uh, Jimmy Johnson, Martin Truex, and that's how I'm going. I'm going with Martin Truex as oh, the winner, and Jimmy Johnson as the dark horse. Damn it. Wow. <laughs> that was the two. I, I mean, those are the top two in my list as well. I, you can't go wrong there, um, Billy. That, that's uh, that's going to be hard to beat. What you got, Rob? What you thinking, bud? Well, I'll tell you what. Uh, <laughs> Billy made some really good picks there. Um, I For this race, I like Kyle Busch. As my dark horse, I like Ryan Blaney. That's super good, and uh, and, and Kyle Busch yeah, was. I, I was listen. I I, I don't want to sound like an idiot, but I literally think Jimmy Johnson can win this race. I mean, Billy picked him as a dark horse, but I truly believe Jimmy Johnson can win this race. I believe there's probably literally, um, there's literally probably twelve teams that that I would put in the number one position and and could and could you know, use data to support why I would do that. But I am going to take, I think, I think Joey Logano has been a major disappointment the last um, couple races. Uh, he's not had very much speed, um, and I think they get it fixed. I, I, I think Penske comes out here and does something, and instead of taking Brad Keselowski, I'm going to go out on a limb, and I'm going to take Joey Logano as my victor. And I'm going to take Clint Boyer. Um, Clint is my damn Boyer as my my dark horse. I think, for whatever reason, I think, I mean, he's got to get up on the wheel, and that team needs to come together and do something. And I just, there's so much pressure involved that I think it actually is making most people, Billy, I think most people are getting more focused um, here. I, and I like to see that. I mean, obviously, the six team is, you know, they, they're, you would think it, I mean, this could be wild pressure, but they're taking it as business as usual. And I look in the garage, and I mean, Kyle Bush had a horrible opening race, came back and followed it up with a, a solid second place. Um, I, so I, I, I like the way that this format is forcing teams to look at adversity in a much different way because they're not out of it. Rob said it over and over. Uh, anybody's in it because all you got to do is win this race and you get an automatic pass to go. It doesn't matter if you're in points out at the beginning of the race, you win the race. You're, you're going on into the, into the second round. And that's what I like about this. I think we're, we're, we're making a, the, the sport that I've loved for, for 30 years. We're making it even better. The competition's fantastic. The team teamwork is amazing. It's an ever involving sport and I couldn't be happier with it. Um, than I am right now, but um, this has been a monstrosity of a podcast. I don't even know. I might not even edit this son of a bitch. I might just even just let it play, for Christ's sakes. Um, I'm not <laughs> sure. I mean, it'd probably take me 45 minutes to figure out what to edit, um, and I just play the damn podcast. But, Rob, uh, Billy, either one of you guys got something for the good of the community as we sign off here? Yeah, I got something. Go ahead. We all try to do good. We all need to be better. As good as we are, we can always be better. And I took it upon myself this week that I've been to the grocery store a few times, Sam's Club, etc. And I decided, hey, you know what? Instead of walking inside and grabbing a cart, I'm going to take two, if not three, back. 
just use one. Nice. And that little thing right there, it means nothing to anybody, and nobody will ever notice it. But you know what? In your head and in your heart, hey, I'm I'm helping the cause because there might be somebody come come along that needs a cart, and they might be out. Yeah. And, you know, that yep. store could be slammed, and maybe they didn't get a chance to get them out of the parking lot. So, you know what? For those that go to the grocery store, grab a cart out of that rack that's in the parking lot or grab one off the, the island, the parking island that somebody was <laughs> that couldn't manage to, uh, you know, get to the, Move it 30 feet. You know, that little cart corral. Just yeah. do something like that. And you know what? Nope, nobody might notice, but you'll notice. And you'll I like feel that. better about yeah. it. And Here's, just, let's, yeah. let's make this simple. Just do better um, every day. Do better every day. It's as simple as picking up a piece of trash that's not yours and throwing it in the trash can, taking a cart back to the yep. to the to the store. I mean, those little tiny things. People see that and and it just spreads like wildfire. I like it. I love it. Uh, hell, I want some more of it, Rob Lobes. Let's all do that this week for Billy Bradley, for Rob Lobes. I'm Dado. Boys, let's go to the Roble and raise some hell. What do you say? Let's do it. Hell yeah, let's do it, fellas. Thanks for listening to Off the Rails. Take a listen to Dado's new favorite song, Bougie by Mixpack. Can you just like chill for a second and stop being bougie all the dang time? Let's have some fun, all right? Let's go. Bottoms up. Drinks on me. Later on, after party my crib. Got this girl on my right shit. Why you gotta be so bougie? So bougie, bougie. Why you gotta be so bougie? So bougie, bougie. Gotta chill, need to relax. Not everywhere needs a VIP pass. Keep it up, you'll have no real friends left. Designer girls aren't gonna earn your respect. Just stop, you're being too loud. Your trash talk won't make your mama proud. Snap, snap, show your picture perfect, they laugh. Back up, you ain't even in the limelight. Bottoms up, slow down, slow down. Drinks on me. Later on, after party my crib, but this girl on my right shit. Why you gotta be so bougie, so bougie, bougie? Why you gotta be so bougie, so bougie, bougie? Yeah, 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 yeah. Girl, you gotta chill. Why you so damn thirsty? Oh, he got a rolling. Now you so damn basic. Man, I ain't saying you a gold digger, but what you doing at SLS when you stay at Azusa? It's okay, not my bitch, so I'm gonna walk away. Got better shit to do than to entertain you. Said she want the Fendi swimsuit with the Fendi shoes. Then she looked at me, I said, you picked the wrong dude. I'm out. Bottoms up. Slow down, slow down. Drinks on me. Later on, after party my crib. But this girl on my right shit. Why you gotta be so bougie?